Athens, Rhode Island. This is your station, your music, the world famous WXIN, Providence, Rhode Island, USA. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Stadium Experience with your host Jake Helmsley. The show where we talk about the latest and greatest happenings in the world of sports, right here on ninety point seven WXIN. I'm alone here right now, but nevertheless, we have a lot we got to talk about today. Tuka Rask rejoining the Bruins. The Celtics entering a little, little deceptively critical part of the schedule. Not critical, but you know what I'm saying. The Patriots. A little bit to talk about there after their uh, their exciting game against Titans this week. The Some MLB awards been handed out. Maybe we'll touch on that a little bit. And if you want to call in and chime in on any of these topics, please do not be afraid to call in at 401-456-9946 or at 401 401- Four five six eight seven eight seven. No Mike Kane Memorial live stream today. Some uh, some technical issues going on there. I forgot my laptop at home. Some technical issues, but nevertheless, still listen to me on air right here on ninety point seven WXIN. This is a stadium experience with Jake Elmsley, and with all that out of the way, we're going to dive right on in. And hello, everybody. After what seemed like a a very very long week for me in terms of broadcasting, I haven't been on the air in a little while. So it's nice to see you all again. Last time I spoke to all of you was during the WXIN Radiothon, where I went on air from 4 to 6 p.m. Wednesday, 2 to 10 a.m. Monday, 2 to 10 a.m. Thursday. We raised a little bit of money for Project Safe Pet, so thank you to everybody who donated to that. And thank you to everybody who even just thought about donating, because, you know, we we reward, I I reward thought charitability here. I do. As long as you at least have have the right intentions. But anyway, we're here now. No no more branding for the show. No more more station mandates for, uh, for problems. No more station mandates for charity. So, just me. What I want to talk about. And it's not a lot of it today. I'm going to be honest. I'm really, you know, in a little bit of a funk today. But nevertheless, we're going to persist. We're going to keep talking. We're going to see what uh, what sports takes I can dish out. Because, of course, there's stuff I'm thinking about. And for the people out there, <laughs> I don't have to live stream today. But nevertheless, we can still do a little bit of hockey. How's that sound, kids? Do you want some hockey talk? We can do a little bit of hockey talk here. And that being for some news yesterday coming out, that Tuka Rask, after Friday being, Thursday, Friday, it being announced that he was going to take a leave of absence from the team, that he was going to say to solve, you know, was quote considered a family matter, not much, not much more information given, not much information you know needed. That he was going to take a leave of absence, which made sense. He had he has not been himself. He's played pretty terrible in points. He's been pretty, pretty clearly outplayed by Halak through the season. But nevertheless, you know, as much as you know, I'm not a giant Tuka fan, and I feel like there aren't a lot of giant Tuka fans left. I would like to think there aren't a lot of gigantic Tuka defenders out there, but maybe I'm wrong. You know, I, I am always always shocked by the people that exist. But nevertheless. For those of you out there who are the Tuka guys, right, he hasn't played well this season. I'm willing to say that it's not just his skills deteriorating, because there has been a steep drop-off in points this season. Some games just look terrible. And I want to leave it something else. And then hearing that he wants to take a leave of absence, first assumption is something to do with mental health, something's going on in his life, something's getting in his head, is making it hard for him to play to, his best, to the best of his ability, he's going to go deal with that. And that's okay. That is 110% fine by me. That no, all the power to the guy. Or even just, even if he's just stressed about playing, can't get in the right mindset. It, it is strictly like a hockey thing. 
Well, a hockey slash like anxiety, mental health thing, et cetera, et cetera. Fine, that's good too. You know, he just wants to get away. He just needs some time. Just needs to just get his head on straight, which is fine. It happens sometimes. You know, these athletes are people. You know, they're people. It doesn't make you know. It doesn't make him weak, et cetera, et cetera. Just and that's good because it was him. Reportedly, it was him who requested. It, so good. Like if he feels like he's not playing to the best of his ability and he's not going to unless he takes a break, then fine. Like tell the team that. Like please do that early in the regular season. Please do that. Now, you know, if the guy's doing it during the playoffs and you want to come and say, oh, he's weak, man, we can talk. Like, fine. Like, then we can talk. Maybe there's, you know, this. But, like, this point in regular season, if you really feel like you taking, like, a break, a little sequester, if it's a mental health thing, if you think that's going to get your head back, on, head back on straight, then please do it. Or, but then it comes out that it was maybe a family matter. Which, I don't know exactly what to make of it. The the Boston Herald, you know, said he came, and it was some kind of family matter. And then Tuesday, he comes back. So he was gone for basically a weekend, comes back in time for the road trip. He's going to make the road trip. He's going to play, you know... Assuming everything holds the way it's holding right now, he's going to play either Friday or Saturday. But yeah, it's 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 a little odd. Like I don't want to sit. Like I said, like I don't want to criticize the guy. Like all the power to the guy. It's just I I am interested to know what it was. Because you'd think if it was like, you know, some real mental thing, it was really getting his head and making him play as bad as he was, you'd think he'd take more than two, three days. Not criticizing the guy, like, yeah, good, good for you, you know. Good for you. You want you you knew what you wanted, you knew what you needed, you went and did it. Something that other people might criticize, but not you. You were like, you know what? I'm gonna do this, this is what I want. But then also you're not gonna take all that much time off? Which is, I just I wonder what it is, and then it comes out once again that it's supposedly a family thing. Which then that what family thing did you resolve in three four days? Like it's just I'm just curious. Like I'm just I'm not saying anybody's lying. Just, I just want to know. Like what family thing did you? You know, there's nothing coming out that he had, like his kid is sick. Or even has a kid. Or he has a kid. Or that he's having. Was he just fighting with his girlfriend or whomever? I'm just curious. Like, I, I'm just curious. Like, it's fully just, like, I just, like, I'm glad he's back. It's just, you know, I would think that he'd need more time to work out whatever it is. Whatever it is. And we're never going to hear it. Probably. Seems like a lot of guys, you know, a lot of, even the people who cover the team who have theories, they're kind of not saying anything out of, you know, respect, which fine. You know, maybe you get one hot shot, you know, young guy who comes out and breaks what it was. But at the moment, I don't have any idea what it is. So, Duke is back. I hope he gets some chance. I think that I, I hope that they stick with Halak for the time being as a, as a primary goalie. 
obviously he's outplayed Tuka by now. Maybe Tuka rounds back into form and then kind of wrestles that job back like he did last year when they were kind of starting Hudobin a lot in the middle of the year. And then fine, that happens. But for the time being, like, I am fine with the lock starting. I'm happy Tuka's back. I hope, I hope that he took enough time. Like, I hope that he, like, this was the amount of time. Because I know he left on his terms. For the most part, like, I know he left on his own terms for the most part. And now what I hope is that the team let him stay away on his own terms. Like, I hope that the team didn't rush him back, I guess. Which I could believe. I'm not criticizing the team. Once again, I don't know the situation. I'm just saying this. Like, I'm glad he did this. I hope he got the right amount of time. Like, I hope he went away. Once again, if it wasn't a family, because I say it's not injury related, which that I totally believe. But, like, if it was a mental health thing, like, once again, he's just anxious, just wants to get away from the team. And they're just saying it's a family thing because they don't want to get that out there. That, you know, there's something up in his head, which is fair. Or it could just be a family thing. Like I said, I don't know. But whatever it is, I hope that the team, they let him go. Seemingly all the other teammates. And we seem mad at him, at least to the media. They said, you know, all the happy, he's a brother, yada, yada, yada. Good stuff, which they should be saying, which is what you want to hear. You know, and then I hope that he wasn't gone for two, three days, started to resolve whatever the conflict was, be it a mental thing, be it a thing with his family. And I hope it wasn't two, three days in and the team's like, hey, Tuca, you're, you're coming back? Like, you know, you had your day off. It's time to come back. Which I'm not accusing the team of. I have no idea. It seems like they let him come back on his own. It's just, you know, it's hockey. You know, they're all hockey, argh, tough. You gotta be tough. We're hockey guys. So I hope that they let him stay put as long as he did because not to you know not to compare this to you know the military or something but like i have a friend of mine who was in the marines and then he started having you know some mental health issues you know dealing with depression etc cetera, etc cetera, not gonna blow up his spot but had some issues and then you know he tried to take some time off and then almost like a day later he's committed you know he got like approved to take some time off and then you know a day later his teammates you know, his teammates his commander's like hey you gotta come back man this would be what's best for you i think if you come back Let's come back and, you know, rejoin the guys. Like, I, I don't, I'm not, like, comparing, like, the Boston Bruins to the Marines. By the way, happy Veterans Day, everybody. And not trying to criticize, not trying to, like, make some overt criticism of the military right now. But, you know, like, it, it's, it's, I guess, I don't want to say, like, a hyper-masculine environment. But it is a hyper-masculine environment. And I just, once again, I'm not saying they're not understanding of these kind of matters. I'm just saying that I hope that they were. And I hope that, like, Tuca came back on his own terms. Because right now it just feels like, it was too long, but also maybe it was a legal thing. Like somebody posed that. Like maybe he just maybe he's having troubles with his lady, and they had to like work out a legal thing, and he literally just had to be gone for two days to go sign some documents and make a court appearance. I don't know. If it was just something like procedural, then fine. I'm just talking out of my ass. But you know, if it was something like that, if it was a legitimate like a mental like not something that's set in stone how long it's gonna take, I just hope that the team didn't rush him back. Which I'm sure they didn't, but I just want you know I want I wanted to pose that. As a, a scenario, so that that those are kind of that's kind of the extent of my thoughts on the Tuca Rask situation. I mean, otherwise, uh, the teams, yeah, teams kind of underperforming. Uh, big game tonight against the Avalanche. Best top two lines in the league squaring off in terms of scoring. Uh, that's it. Those are my hockey thoughts for a while. I don't don't do that a lot around here. Probably not going to do it again around here for a little while until something else weird happens. And that's it for hockey. <laughs>
Anyway, you are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. We're going to take a quick break here. Like I said, kind of a slow, slow, calm show right now. No live stream. You know, we're not trying to, you know, not a ton here. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to dive into some stuff. Well, I'll decide over the break if I want to do Celtics or Patriots first. But we'll see. We'll talk about that. We're going to see where I land. And, yeah, you're listening to Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. And I will see you after these messages. It's not the size that matters. It's the pleasure it provides. WXIN FM. WXIN Stadium Experience. Jake Elmsley here. We were just doing a little bit of a little bit of the the rare Bruins segment here on the Stadium Experience. We're moving away from that here, though. I'm alone right now, by the way, just to make sure everybody knows that. But I'm about to dive into some Celtics thoughts here. But if you want to chime in about the Bruins, about the Celtics, about the Patriots, about anything going on in the world of sports, do not be afraid to call in 401-456-9946 or 401-456-8787 and let me know what's on your mind. Let me know what you want to chat about. Anyway, though, we're going to dive into some Celtics thoughts and... The Celtics are in an interesting place right now. Because obviously the Celtics are... And we talked about kind of this last week. And I'm trying to get a very special Celtics guest to join us real soon. I'm work, working on a, on a very special Celtics guest. But we'll keep that under wraps until I can uh, see if I can make that happen. But the Celtics obviously... They went on a five-game road trip the last week and a half, and they lost a drop five or four. They lost the Pacers, the Nuggets, the Jazz, and the Trailblazers, and then they yeah, they basically lost game. They they won in overtime against the how many wins? Against the, the two-win Phoenix Suns. So the Celtics not been on a hot streak lately. And yeah, they haven't been looking great. We talked last week about how Seems like just something's not gelling with these guys. They're not playing particularly well in a lot of phases of the game. Be it every night, it seems like somebody else is kind of sitting the game out or kind of just isn't able to play their full potential. Be it Tatum some nights, Hayward some nights, Jalen Brown some nights. You know, Kyrie, Kyrie was a little rocky earlier in the year, but I think for the most part, like Kyrie has a, has rebounded. I, I mean, Kyrie's been playing well. Like, Kyrie's been playing great. Like, Kyrie's not the problem. But we talked last week if maybe some kind of lineup changes were necessary. Or if some kind of lineup changes, yeah, were needed. Be that once again. Benching Jalen Brown to start Morris or break benching one of benching Hayward so he can heal better. Which first thing I still think just even from like a long, long view might be a good idea. But nevertheless. Benching him, benching one of those three guys to bring in, you know, one of those three forwards to bring in Marcus Morris. Benching one of them to bring Aaron Baines into the starting lineup, which worked really well at points last year. You know, doing something like that. And I, you know, this is hard for me to talk about because for the last, you know, year, year and a half, I've been the biggest proponent of give me the Kyrie, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Hayward, Al Horford lineup. Give it to me. 
last year when they announced that as a starting lineup. I was like, give it to me. That is beautiful. That's the lineup I want. And then Hayward got hurt five minutes into the year, and I was just and basically I was left to say all offseason. I want it again. If everybody's healthy, give me take two. And then we didn't get take two. And we've gotten take two, and yeah, it hasn't been working out too good. And part of that's Hayward's injury. And part of it's been, you know, even when Hayward's been healthy, it's been some it's been a bit of a struggle. You know, even when well, not always been healthy, but when he, even when he's been playing fine, when he hasn't seemed as impeded as he is. A lot of the time. There have been difficulties. These guys are having a hard time divvying up shots between the three of them. Let alone also divvying up shots between Kyrie, who's going to take a lot of shots. And, yeah, not Al Horford. Al Horford takes an appropriate amount of shots. But still, like, you have four guys who all feel like they're worth shots. You have, once again, Kyrie. Gordon Hayward is on the max contract, who is, you know, the coach's best buddy, who was the guy in Utah, who was the guy for a couple of years there. You know, Jalen Brown, you know, third overall pick, blah, blah, blah. One of the best young players, you know, at least been one of the hyped up as one of the best young players on this team. Jason Tatum, who has been hyped up a ton all offseason by others, including me, including myself. I, I have been a giant, I've been a giant proponent of the Jason Tatum hype train over the offseason. As you know, as a guy who is, you know, a lot of us ordaining him as a guy who's going to be, like, the best player on this team in a couple of years. Who, a guy who is going to be, like, this team's top guy in a couple of years for a team contending for champions. Talking about that a lot. And I'm not saying, my God, hit the panic button, never mind, Jace Tame is never going to be that. I'm just saying that, you know, like, if you're wondering, you know, why these guys shooting so much, you know, these things can be in their head. And they're all fair. They all have a claim to it. It's just... I'm not saying any of them are particularly selfish players. Also, I've said before in the past that I don't think we can just rule out that any of these guys are going to be selfish. People have been quick to do that, too. People have been quick to be like, oh, well, Tatum's not a selfish player. You know, that's never not going to be a problem. How do you know Tatum's not a selfish player? <laughs> you know, he's had one year, and now he's spent the whole offseason being hyped. Like, now we can see if he's going to be a selfish player. Oh, Hayward's not a selfish player. Once again, how do you know? How do you know? Like, he... Outside of the five minutes played with the Celtics last year, you know, you don't know what he what he expects. Like he once again, he was used to being the guy. So I like these players. I don't think any of them give off the vibe of being selfish players. Like I said, you never know until you know. Like I thought Kyrie was happy playing with LeBron until he didn't want to be there anymore. So I'm just saying, like, you you don't know until you know. Like you can be like, well, a guy's hard working and he talks to the media well. He's not gonna be a selfish player. Like, no, you you don't know. Like, let's see how Jason Tatum is after he spends a whole summer being hyped. And now he's taking more shots than he did last year. And once again, I think rightfully so. He should be trying to score. He should be a leader on this team. I'm just saying that he thinks that too. Which means that he thinks he's deserving of a certain amount of opportunities. Which hasn't been working out for this team a lot over the course of the year. Which, once again, all the love in the world to Tatum. But, you know, what's the problem? And I don't want them to bench Tatum. I want Tatum to be the leader of this team. Or at least be the... I want Tatum to really fill, file into being, you know, the second best player on this team. Like, I, I want that badly out of Tatum. I want him to keep getting those opportunities. But yeah, once again, like, maybe it's Hayward. You bench Hayward, you bring Baines in the starting lineup, you bring Morris in the starting lineup. You know, you bring Morris in the starting lineup if you're trying to make it literally just a matter of, you know, earning your place in the starting lineup because Morris has probably been one of their best players this year. Has he been the player who's de- looks 
better from last year, really the only player, or you bring in Baines if you want, you know, try to employ the the true center in the starting lineup. Fine, that works too. Keep Morris on the bench. Let Hayward kind of facilitate on the second unit. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe that works. But I'm just saying that, you know, but do they make a change? And it's tough after the five-game road trip. Now, they have a game tonight against the Chicago Bulls, which I don't think you change anything for that. I don't, just because they were on the road. Things were bad. Sometimes you can, like, you know, you start losing a game on the road. You get in a bad mood. Then you have to get in the plane. You have to travel. You're stewing over it. You haven't really had a chance to be fully comfortable. You lose another game. And that just kind of snowballs on you. Not excusing it, but I'm just saying, like, you know, sometimes it's not the end of the world. But, you know, now, if after they've had a day to rest, sleep in their own beds, now if they come in and they look flat against the Chicago Bulls, they have a lot of the same problems. The crappy Chicago Bulls, the Bulls who have... What is it? Four wins. The four-win Chicago Bulls. The four-and-ten Chicago Bulls. Led by Zach Levine and, like, Chris Dunn. If they don't look good against them, then you have the Raptors coming up on Friday. I think you make a change then. And I think they'll beat the Bulls. I think they'll be fine. Like, I think this team will rebound from their struggles against the Bulls. Like, it's set up for them to do it. And I think they will. But then if they don't do it, then I'm going to start saying, all right, maybe there is a little bit of a problem with this team. And it's not an unsolvable problem. They look bad against the Bulls. I'm not going to say, well, they're done. They're cooked. These guys aren't what we thought. But there's an issue. Something's not gelling. Not working. This team still has the same amount of talent I thought they had. But yeah, maybe then you make a little, little alteration. Whatever it is, even if you just make a change for the sake of making a change, Sometimes I am a subscriber to that in basketball. Sometimes you just make a change. It's a small change. In the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't really affect your lineups. Really doesn't really. Really doesn't really affect your lineups. There's the, uh, there's the English from me. But really doesn't affect your lineups. But just the idea that you're making a change kind of energizes guys. Maybe it motivates whoever you benched. Maybe it motivates whoever you put in the starting lineup. But just, you know, you made a change. You've kind of Shifted the juju of the team a little bit. And then that just makes guys go out and play a little better. Play with a little more energy and just kind of, once again, resets things. So, yeah, if you go out and you suck against the Bulls, you're playing the Raptors. That is a, once again, it's regular season. It's the first half. So it's not an important game. But, yeah, like at least in the short term, that's a game that will make a difference in standings. You know, they have something of a lead on you. I mean what 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 are the Raptors right now? The Raptors are 12 and 2, I think. What, 12 and 2? Yeah, 12 and 2. You know, you're 7 and 6 right now. You're better off winning that game at home. Once again, you're at home. That's a good game to reestablish yourself. Like, yeah, like if you lose against the Bulls, that's where you make the change. If you win against the Bulls and it looks good, then that's kind of where you're like, "All right, guys, like you beat the Bulls. Good work. Now this Kyrie, Jalen Brown, Tatum, Hayward, Horford starting lineup. You guys want to earn it? Like, you guys want to stay together? Now you have to go out there and beat the Raptors. Just do it. And then, if that works, then maybe you've reestablished your mojo a little bit. 
and then you start going forward. Obviously, you don't ever, you don't never consider changing the lineup again. Because obviously, yeah, if you go out there and you look flag against Raptors, you lost, lose, then you really look at things. And you change your approach to everything. Like, well, are you approach to everything? Yeah, then you look at it and you go, okay, like we'll take some guys out of the starting lineup. We'll change who's in the lineup. We change up our rotations, obviously, because then you don't just put Morris Hayward and Rozier on the court together necessarily. It's just, then you really start to restructure your lineups. Then you have a game against the Jazz. That's a good team right now. I think. I think they're a good team right now. I mean, to beat you. But yeah, like, that's a playoff team right now. Actually, no. Wow, the Jazz are 7-6 and six as well. That's a team with the same record as you. So... Yeah. You probably... Yeah, that's where you look at it and you maybe change up your lineups. If you lose that game, you lose against the Raptors, you make changes now. You don't, and then you just you kind of let it sit until... Something bad happens again. And then you look at changing it again. Again, as for lineup changes, I say you. I mean, you, you keep Kyrie and Horford in there no matter what I feel like, and then after that, like it's all fair game. Like you know, Brad has to look at it and go, "All right, like which of these guys should I bench?" I think the easiest one is Hayward. That I think you can do that and bruise his ego the least. You know, you can do that and still be like, "Hey, you're injured. You got to recover," which I still think he does. By the way, I still think he needs more time, and I think maybe coming off the bench would do that for him. But I don't know. But like I've said a few times before, this is the season where we learn if Brad Stevens can manage a championship team. Because managing this kind of situation, this is what it takes to be a winning coach in the NBA. It's not about how good a plays can you drop. It's not about, you know... Yeah, being this whiz kid who can sit on a chalkboard, draw up a great inbound play, get guys working hard, et cetera, et cetera. A guy who can take, you know, a scrappy team of Jay Crowder, Jonas Jarekbo, Olenek, Isaiah Thomas, and scheme that team up to being the number one seed, just losing the ECF. Like, no, that's not what it takes. And those are great. Those are all great credits to Brad Stevens. But in the end, if you want to win the NBA, you need a lot of top flight talent. And then you need a coach who can manage that talent, who can... Keep those guys heading in one direction, even when things need to be done. Keep guys from letting bruise egos. Because guys, egos are going to be bruised. You bench your guy. No matter how you sell, like, you bench your guy. He's going to be hurt by that. But can you keep him on course? Can you keep him moving forward in one direction with the team? Can you keep a guy from going off the reservation? That's what. Can you get guys, big-time guys who are used to Having it be their team, like Gordon Hayward, like Tatum started trying to think in the offseason. I mean, in the playoffs. Like, even a guy like Terry Rozier, you know, you've kept him going in a pretty decent direction. Like, you know, that is what a good NBA coach needs to be able to do. And I've said it a billion times. But that's what Doc was able to do. And that's why the Celtics were able to win a championship. Well, not why, not only. They were able to win because they had the talent. But Doc was able to keep those guys together, able to get those guys able to get Pierce, able to get Ray Allen to accept that they were going to have to accept a lesser role than they were used to. That they were able to keep... They were able to accept that. And that's just that now this is Brad Stevens' time. Brad Stevens has to prove he can do that. 
And yeah, that starts with, you know, things aren't going so well. Can you make a lineup change? Can you make the right lineup change? And I'm sure, at least from a pure basketball perspective, he'll make the right lineup change. He's, once again, he's a smart guy. He, know, he knows how to push the right buttons. But then can you make that lineup change? And then since the guy you're benching isn't Amir Johnson, the guy you're benching isn't Jay Crowder, the guy you're benching is either... Gordon Hayward, who's an all-star, who's run his own team, who's your guy, by the way, or the guy you're benching is Jason Tatum, who's basically been ordained or was ordained over the summer as a future Hall of Famer. Can you take those guys, move them around, move the roster around, and then make the right basketball decision and then keep those guys moving forward, which... I don't know. Like I said, I think he's capable of it. He's given me no reason to think he's not. It's just he's never been in this kind of situation before. So like I said, this is a big year for Brad Stevens. You know, for all the crap I give Steve Kerr, like Steve Kerr is able to manage those four all-stars and keep them all moving in one direction. And then otherwise, like the team coaches itself, like the team like makes itself run. And yeah, I do think kind of blew up a little bit the other night. And I want to touch on that a little bit later in the show about Kevin Durant and the Warriors. Maybe this is this isn't the best day to be bringing up Steve Kerr. But yeah, like that. That's, you need to be able to sit on a team that's super talented and just keep them from falling apart in the way to a championship. That's what you need to do to be, able to be a winning coach in the NBA. But, yeah. What's that? And then, you know, the competition for the Celtics is getting better. The competition for the Celtics is, you know, the Eastern Conference. It's better than we thought. You know, Kawhi up to this point has been the best case scenario with the Raptors, which we talked about because I didn't think Kawhi was going to miss a beat. I didn't. And now the Raptors have a guy who I think is a top five player. You know, what's Kawhi been averaging right now? I mean, Kawhi's been averaging 24 a game, seven. He's been averaging 24, eight and three. Like Kawhi has been great. He was obviously an upgrade. Over DeRozan. Not say DeRozan's a bad player, but I mean, they went from an all-star to an all-NBA-er. How has DeMar DeRozan been doing? Incidentally. Doing okay. I mean, but just, you know, that was a huge upgrade. But obviously there was a risk because, you know, there was some concerns around Kawhi. I didn't buy into it. I thought Kawhi was going to be fine, but I admit it. I mean, Kawhi's still one of my favorite players in the NBA. But... And now the Raptors are 12 and 2. And then also the Bucks. Like, I buy into the Bucks. I do buy into the Bucks. I know a lot of people don't, but I say this. They have Giannis. And, you know, number one, what do you need to win in the NBA? You need a top, to really win in the NBA, you need a top five player. And Giannis is playing like one. I'm not saying Giannis is a top five player, but I don't know. He might be the best player in the East besides Kawhi. I'd say him and Kawhi both have fairly equal claims to be the best player in the East. You know, Gian you need an MVP caliber player. Like, Giannis has been that. I mean, Gian G and Giannis has holes in his game for sure. But, yeah, like, they might have the best player in the East. The Celtics don't have – like, the Celtics have a lot of talent. Kawhi Kyrie's a great player, but he's not a top five player. Giannis might be. 
I think that as a, if you don't want to hold last year against him, which you can, I think Kawhi is a top five player. So those teams have that. And that's why, I, I mean, the Raptors have done it. Like the Raptors, I mean, they're still a stupid, stupid franchise, but like the Raptors have made it to the playoffs and gotten decently far. And then they added a top five player. They upgraded at the number two spot. They, so I'm not saying I buy into the Raptors, but like they're better than I thought. I didn't think this, they'd be this good with Kawhi. Maybe that all falters, but I don't see why it would. Like they have the talent, it's working. Like the talent they have worked. Kawhi, they've been able to integrate Kawhi. I don't see why that's going to stop anytime soon. So I have to buy into the Raptors as a real team. The Bucks, like I said, if Giannis is taking another step, Giannis is taking another step. I'm not going to sit here and say, no, basketball not happening because I believe in Giannis. I believe in the Greek freak. <laughs> and then, you know, once again, that's where it starts for me. Then if you want to tell me, you know, the other guys, like, oh, I'm not a big Chris Middleton guy, or oh, Eric Bledsoe is not going to keep it up, or Brooke Lopez isn't going to keep shooting threes at, like, a historic pace for his career. But, like, in the end, like, they have, this isn't like a scrappy band of random guys who have just found something right now. This isn't even Victor Oladipo last year taking off. Like, this is Giannis, a guy who people have been waiting for to take this next step. He's taking it, so I have to buy into it until it stops. Maybe there's some growing pains, but yeah, like, I buy into the Bucks. I do. It's working for them right now. If anything, just because of Giannis. And then, you know, they, you know, they have Bullhoser in there. Bullhoser, right? You know, they have. Yeah, they have him in there. Making moves like it's just like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying these teams are better than the Celtics, which I'm not because the Celtics still should be the top team in East because I acknowledge these teams could be the way they are over the offseason. Once again, I acknowledge you more. I bought in the Kawhi more. Like I said, I bought in. I bought in the Kawhi with the Raptors really quickly. I thought that was a great move for the Raptors, by the way. You know, I was 100% on board with that for the Raptors. So those two teams. And then you have what happened Saturday, which I've been kind of trying to get to. Saturday, the 76ers made a trade for Jimmy Butler who's been on the market, who I've been thinking that they should trade for. I haven't really talked about it a lot, but I thought, you know, the Buck should be in on him. And they traded. They traded Robert Covington, Dario Saric, Jared Bayless, and a 2022 second-round pick. And they got Jimmy Butler and then Justin Patton. And, you know, since it's a trade in the NBA, people are like, going, oh, Justin Patton, you know, he's, he's the real secret piece of the trade. Ah, yeah. I got I to be a smart NBA writer, and I got to hone in on this one random player. There's a little throwaway guy on the deal. Be like, that's the guy in the trade. Which, in fairness, maybe they're genuine. These guys, and there's people who just really like Justin Patton out there. Because if it was a, a, an inconsequential guy who I loved, who got traded, yeah, I, I'd be in on it too. So I can't hate too much. It's just oh, Justin Patton's not one of my inconsequential nothing NBA players who I'm trying to hype up. So you're silly for doing that. No, 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 no. You're silly for doing that. But, you know, this is not, you know, Yabu Selly or somebody who I'm really into. <laughs> but, or Zizix. This isn't Zizik now. <laughs> this isn't Zizik. A man will be a double-double machine one day, people tell me. But, 
So the 76ers, they've traded for Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler's so hard for me because I go back and forth on Jimmy Butler. I really do. Like, I really go back and forth on whether, like, how good of a player I think Jimmy Butler is. Like, sometimes I'm like, ah, he's just better Jay Crowder. Like, he's like a super upgraded Jay Crowder. Like, I never really wanted, I never really wanted the Celtics to be in on him, you know, way back when. But also, I, I don't know. Like I said, I've always been so conflicted about Jimmy Butler. Like, I know he's an all-star, but I've always been like, oh, is he a top 25 player? Or is he a top 10 player? Like, I I, I kind of go back and forth on the two. And then I always kind of forget to pay attention to him. I, I don't know. Like, he's a really good two-way wing. I think he's an upgrade for the 76ers. He's been playing pretty damn great this year. He's been playing... Pretty damn great this year, Jimmy Butler. He's been a man on a mission. He got out at Minnesota, which is great. But then, how big of an upgrade is this for the Timberwolves? For the Timberwolves. For the 76ers. And for the Timberwolves. I mean, I guess. Or is it a downgrade for the Timberwolves? Look at that top. We're going to discuss. <laughs> we're putting it up. We're, put, we're throwing it in. And... Dario Saric and Robert Covington were decent pieces for that team. Those are decent players. I think I think that I don't know is like I do wonder because mm, mm, how do I talk about this trade? Because it's hard. Because okay, on one hand, this was not a haul. This really was not a haul for this. Like the 76ers did not even come close to selling the farm. They didn't give up a single first round pick. So really, in the long run, this trade doesn't affect them. Like this, like this is they did not pay a lot in the long run. But also in the short term, it almost feels like they, they gave up like a decent haul for the short term. Because Sarich and Bayless, Sarich and Covington were big parts of their rotation. They were, or those guys were even starting sometimes, or were they? I don't remember. But nevertheless, those are pretty big parts of their rotation. And now they're gone. Was Bayless? Even Bayless. Even Bayless was playing 23 minutes a game. So it's like they almost they gave up guys who aren't like big future building blocks. And I don't know. I like Sarge. I always kind of wanted the Celtics to get Sarge in a trade. Like I would, would rather have had him at the time when they made the trade down to pick Tatum. I also would rather have had him than get, you know, than get the extra pick. But I'm probably proven wrong on that because that's probably a stupid thing to think. But nevertheless. These are... Guys, these are guys. And I'm trying to like look at like where these guys have been in the rotation because I, mean, I didn't do. Yeah, those guys were starters. Like those were long-term starters for the 76ers. Now they were not their building blocks. They were not Ben Simmons. They were not Joel Embiid. But still, they were the kind of I don't know. I guess they were the second-tier guys. And now they're gone. But also, you know, they've given up a couple of rotational players, a couple of good players to get a great player. And for all the crap I'm saying. That's also kind of what you need in the NBA. So now, now that I'm kind of focused myself on a take here, you know, a lot of the time, if you have the chance to roll a few good players to get a great player in the NBA, you need to do it. 
a lot of time you do, you need to do it because they can reload. They can go out and get another Robert Covington. They can go out and get another Jared Bayless. It's not going to be free because once again, you can't, you know, good players aren't just growing on trees, but you can go get those guys somewhere. Like a team, there's always going to be a team that's going to be willing to give you something. Like they got, what was his name? Who was it? I wanted to sell to get him all last year. I don't remember him now. The guy from the Hawks. I don't remember him. I don't remember. The, the, the Bonelli. Marco Bellinelli. Like, they were able to get him for free near the end of the year. Like, you can get those kind of guys, good rotational guys. But, yeah, the All-Stars don't just become available. So, you know what? Like, also, though, like, kudos to the 76ers for jumping on that and doing it without giving up, like, anything for their future. Now, then maybe they lose Jimmy Butler at the end of the year and they don't do anything. And you're like, ah, oh, that was a bad move. But I don't think so. Maybe they keep him. But just, like, for one thing, like, yeah, kudos to the 76ers for for recognizing that, you know, they needed to add another guy. And they do need to add another guy. And they got waxed by the Celtics in the season open. They have a better record than the Celtics right now. Same amount of losses, but better record. But Yeah. Like, good, kind of good, like, good, I'm almost, like, I'm kind of proud of when NBA teams get smart. Like, I am in a way, I'm pretty proud that you, (laughs) they were able to see it and go, ah, we don't have enough, let's roll these, that's not like, you know, let's, because also, like, you know, a team can, in a fan base, you know, you can overvalue the Robert Covingtons of the world, you can overvalue the Dario Sarks, like, how much better is Robert Covington really than Jay Crowder? You know, a 3 and D wing. You can find that guy again. Don't because oh, you can find another. You don't need your version of that guy. You can get another team's that guy, and then have an all star like Jimmy, like Jimmy Butler with a chip on his shoulder. A guy who you know wants to prove to the world that he's this guy. Like that doesn't happen. So yeah, it's been kind of roundabout. I've kind of talked myself in circles, but yeah, I'm settling on it. This was like this was a good trade to the 76ers. Now they're gonna need to make a corresponding move. I feel like. And their GM, who is, and I have an article about this pulled up because I have sources. This isn't all just incoherent rambling. There, there's some, uh, there's some logic here, but like Elton Brand, their GM, who's not Sam Hinkie, because Sam Hinkie died for the sins of many. Sam, Sam Hinkie died for the sins of the many. But you know they're gonna have an open roster spot now. He said that they want to do something decent. Like they want to do something fairly significant there. They they want to like they don't want to just sign like a guy off the street like they want to go get a guy, and yeah like they're like they're being linked to Kyle Korver like a guy like that like they have this guy apparently coming off the bench who's been playing pretty decent lately Furkan Korkmaz I I don't know who that is but like he's been playing decent like just shooting because like you know the one thing is they do not have a ton of shooting on this team right now. You know, Thorkman's guy was a first-round pick like two years ago. But, you know, that's the thing. Like they, they are, they, they're not a great three-point shooting team. And, you know, you are losing Covington, who was a pretty decent three-point shooter. You're losing Bayless, who did some decent three. Sorry, it's like you're losing some pretty decent three-point shooting. But, yeah, like I said, like, you're bringing Jimmy Butler, all-star player. Yeah, you take, you take a step back in depth. You can always take a step back in depth. And then, yeah, but then, you know, yeah, if in a week, two weeks, they turn around, they trade for Kyle Korver. You bring him in. 
Like, I'm not saying he's the equivalent of either of those guys you lost, but yeah, I'd rather have, yeah, like if I told you right now, would you rather have Jimmy Butler and Kyle Korver or Dario Sarge, Robert Covington, and Jared Bayless? Like, in the end, like, yeah, I tell you, you're crazy. You tell me you'd rather have those three decent players. Now, if you want to get into, like, you know, salary cap implications and really look at things in a grand scheme, then fine. Like, we can talk about that until we're blue in the face. Because I, I love talking about that. I will talk about NBA roster construction all you want. I love it. Call in 401-456-9946 or 401-456-8787. If you really want to dive in on the intricacies of NBA roster construction, oh, my God, please give me an excuse. But nevertheless, like, just short-term knee-jerk like I'd rather have those two guys and those three guys because you have a great player in there so you know also I'm not saying it makes this this the 76ers better than the Celtics because I don't know I have to see how it looks right now I tell you it doesn't because I still think that the Celtics talent is better but I don't know like you know if he brings another if he brings another level of intensity to that team then who knows if he makes Simmons and Embiid better right now. Apparently, they're moving Fultz to the bench because they want to start Simmons and Butler in the backcourt. And then, I mean, what do they say they want their starting lineup to be right now? Because they're talking about that. Like, you know, they're saying that, you know, they want the starting lineup right now to be what they want it to be. I was just reading it. I need to keep these things pulled up. But, Yeah, I, don't, I didn't see it. But they're not starting Fultz. Yes, here it is. Like, they're not starting Fultz. They're starting with, um, who are they starting with? They're starting, you know, they're starting Simmons, Butler, Embiid, J.J. Redick, and Wilson Chandler. So that's what they're going with. But, yeah, maybe he, uh, or maybe he just screams at Embiid. Maybe he just screams at Simmons a bunch. Simmons a bunch to actually shoot, shoot the ball. You know, it was a tweet that came out of him calling Ben Simmons a coward during the playoffs. You know, that two-point game where he was outplayed by T.J. McConnell against the Celtics. But, you know, it's fine. It's fine. I shall, I, mean, I do still like Ben Simmons. But maybe he's, like, yelling at him to shoot, and it just gets... Like, maybe he elevates him. I don't know, but he definitely, definitely... But the 76ers definitely took a good chance to make their team better in an Eastern Conference that's maybe a little more open than we thought. It's maybe not just the Celtics and everybody else. I still think the Celtics should win the East. They're still my favorite in the East. I still think if they don't win the East, that's a choke, and they should be criticized for that, but still. They capitalize, and you know what? Like, all the power to them. I love it. Like, the Raptors, them going all in. Not going all, but yeah, like, them kind of blowing it up, being ballsy. So I like, I like seeing these ballsy moves. I do. I enjoy it. It's fun. It's fun to see. And it makes it makes it easy. You know, the East is so much better than we thought it was going to be, I feel like. Like, the East is so far from being a dumb... Like, the East might be better than... Like, the East is probably better than the West right now. Which is amazing. Like, if I told you at the beginning of the, of the season that right now, like, it feels like the East is the stronger conference, you'd call me crazy. I mean, you do... Like, you have, like... The Raptors, the Bucks, the Celtics, who I think are going to turn around eventually. 76ers just maybe got their third All-Star. The Pacers, you know, they're pretty good. Pistons were good to start the year. They've kind of tapered off, though, but still, like, they were good to begin with. And in the West, you have the Warriors, the Trailblazers, the Nuggets, who came out of nowhere. Like, what, you have the Clippers? You know, the, the Rockets are a hot mess. Maybe it kind of turns around, but either way, like, you have, now you have three or four 
teams that could compete for the East to win the East. I don't think it should be the Celtics. I don't think it has to be the Celtics or else they've choked. But still, like, good moves there by the 76ers. So that's all my thoughts on that. We can take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll be diving into the Patriots because they've also been having a, having a fun time. I've also been having a great run of success here, and obviously, obviously we got we got to talk all about that. So we're we'll back in just a minute. You are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on ninety point seven WXIN, and I will see you in just a flash. Never, never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ninety point seven WXIN. WXIN Stadium Experience. Jake Elmsley here. Been talking Bruins at the top of the show. Doing a little bit of, a lot of bit of Celtics in the last segment there. I mean, I got it. Got in, got in a little bit of a, one of a little bit of a NBA team building rabbit hole, which is a very hard thing to get me out there. Let me tell you. NBA team building scenarios are like crack to me. I could sit here and do that for hours. But anyway, it's the top of the five o'clock hour. So, of course, time to read some WXIN News Talk Sports News and Sports Headlines here. So let me just try to get a let me try to get a bed here. Let's see if we can find a little, little generic news bed, which I meant to do during the break, but I didn't because I'm very easily distracted. But let's see if we can find ourselves a nice little uh, nice little bed here. Because this is the first time I've tried doing this. Because I write these headlines, and I'm going to actually read them for once. News. Let's type it into YouTube and see what we get. Let's see what we get. News headline bed. Of course, like I- I've made headline reads before. Okay. News intro music. Stock free. Uh, oh, BBC News Asia. Perfect. That's us. We're similar. All right. Oh, I like this. Oh, I like this. Okay, we're going to do this. All right, the Israeli Defense Minister, Avid Gore Lieberman, has stepped down in the wake of the country's cabinet deciding to accept a ceasefire in Gaza after over 600 bombs were fired by both Israeli and Palestinian forces over the course of Monday and Tuesday. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg returned her office Tuesday after fall last week, caused her to fracture three of her ribs and led to hospitalization. Ginsburg did not miss a single day of oral arguments during her recuperation, keeping alive a 25-year streak of never missing such events. And in sports, the New England Patriots had their six-game winning streak broken Sunday in a 34-10 road loss against Tennessee Titans. Quarterback Tom Brady had one of his worst, one of his worst games of the season, completing just over 50% of his passes. The Patriots look to rebound on the road Sunday afternoon when they face off against the 3-7 New York Jets. Kickoff is at 1 p.m. The Boston's oh good, you haven't heard about this yet. The Boston Celtics lost four of their five games on their West Coast road trip this last week, with their only win coming in an coming in overtime against the Phoenix Suns. The 76 Celtics will look to re- get their season back on track at home tonight against the Chicago Bulls. Tip-off is at 
And then once again, because you haven't heard about this yet, goalie Tuki, Tuka Rask has returned to the Bruins after making a, taking a three-day break from the team to deal with family matters. According to Coach Bruce Cassidy, he is slated to start either Friday or Saturday night. The Bruins will be on the road tonight when they face off against the Colorado Avalanche. Puck drops for that game at 10 p.m. And the 2-0 Rhode Island College men's basketball team will be on the road tonight when they face off against Johnson and Wales. Tip-off is at 7 p.m. And of course, as always, come become a DJ at 90.7 WXIN by emailing program director Mike Kane at program at rickradio.org and by attending weekly meetings every Wednesday in Gage 203 at 1 p.m. Anyway, those are 90.7 headlines, and I'm Jake, and I read them. Back to my show! That was fun. I like doing that. Anyway, so every show should be doing that. If you're out there and you're listening, you're, you're a young gun here at the station. Gotta be doing that. So maybe I'll try to do that every week. Maybe I'll actually find a bed before, because that would be cool. But anyway, thank you to uh, BBC Asia for providing that. Anywho, though, back to the back to the matters at hand. Those, of course, being sports. The Patriots, obviously, this week and. Last week I did talk about how the Patriots win over the tight over the curtains over the Packers felt good, not great, but it felt like they made progress. I still felt like the offense was, yeah, still felt like the offense had some problems, even though they did drop hang thirty one on them. Still felt like their over reliance on trick plays was kind of telling that there were some problems that just you know they weren't able to do it any other way and. Yeah, like the like you know the fact they were giving the board ball to Cordell Patterson like it was a freaking joke. Oh my god, with that and yeah, but the defense looked good against Aaron Rodgers, which I was not going to take away from them. But then obviously, and also that them playing well defensively that week, maybe you know able to retroactively look back against the game against the Bills and go, okay, it was the Bills, they suck, but yeah. I'm good. You know, you gave up six points, and now you had two good games in a row. Fine, I'll give you a little, little more credit for that game. Because, you know, if they got blown out by the Packers, I would have come in here, you know, last week and be like, ah, uh, who cares they gave up six points to the Bills? Ah, we'll see. See, they suck anyway. Oh, you care about that? But, you know, fine, you do it twice in a row, I'll give you a little more credit. I don't know if that's the fairest thing in the world, but that's what I'm doing. So, anyway, but then this weekend, this Sunday, they lost, whew, 34 to 10. On the road against the Tennessee freaking Titans. <laughs> they did score once in the second half. They only had one touchdown. Brady went 21 for 41. You know, they let Marcus Mariota have two... Marcus Mariota in a way that would, um, you know, give an angerism to friend of the show and former, former member of XIN, Andrew Spaziano, who was, of course, the head of the... Head of the Marcus Mariota fan club. Really just run all over that team. You know, throw all over the Patriots. You know, they got... The Patriots is just... I don't know why Corey Davis owns, like, a stake in this organization. I don't know why. I don't know why the Patriots can't seem to stop Corey Davis of all freaking people. Like, here I was going like, oh, wow, Corey Davis. Wow, what a good pick. And then I found out he's, his only two touchdowns have come against the Patriots. Then he had one touchdown yesterday. Like, Corey Davis has barely ever been a player his entire career. But, hey, man... Dude owns the Patriots. 
Gotta give him that. Dude owns the freaking Patriots. You know, Derrick Henry, two touchdowns, 5.3 rushing guard average. The Patriots still having trouble defending in the interior and also all over the place. But, you know, they got owned in the middle again by the running game like they did last week by Aaron Jones before, you know, the Packers just kind of went, uh, there's Roger with Aaron Jones. Let's stop doing that. Not to keep bringing up the Packers game, but I'm going to keep bringing the Packers game because it was a good game. But the... God, I, I kind of blocked this game out because it was so bad. Like, just everything the Patriots did was just felt so futile. And just when it felt like they were rounding in the form a little bit, they still, you know, they didn't look like where I'd expect them to be week nine, week 10 against the Packers, but it looked like they were rounding in the form. It felt like they were making progress for the first time in a little while. And now they've come and just gotten their doors blown off by the Titans. Which, you know, I know they're seven and three. I know that they're gonna make the playoffs like they do every year. You know, they're gonna play the Bills, the Jets, and the they're gonna play the Bills, the Jets, the Dolphins, all these dumb teams a bajillion more times, and they're gonna. But also. Again, they've lost to the Titans, and the Patriots are doing something this season that I've given the Steelers a ton of crap for the last couple of years. A ton. Oh, my God. The reason I can never take the freaking Pittsburgh Steelers seriously for the last couple of years is because they, for a long time, under Mike Tomlin, you know, with fat piece of crap, bad person, Ben Roethlisberger, leading that team. They played out in their competition. Done forever. And I've eviscerated about them about it forever. Like, oh, you always lose some game to some stupid team down the stretch or in the middle of the year. They, you know, that makes you lose out on home field or something. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, you don't have home field to the playoffs. That screws you over and then you lose. But, you know, the Patriots, though, they take care of business. They go up against the bad teams. And they win. But this year, the Patriots, like, you have the Patriots. They're playing down to their competition. I mean, what was it that I saw? That the combined record, you know, they've lost to the Lions, who are currently 3-6. and six. The Jaguars, who didn't feel like a bad team at the time, but... They're 3-6. and six. They're not playing, you know, up to their standards. And now they've lost to the Titans, who are actually above 500. And I'll give them credit for that. But still, I saw some of the combined record of the, team they've, the teams they've lost to is, at this moment, it is. And let me do some math for a second. 12. Like, 11-16? and 16? 11 and 16, like, that's not good. Like I said, like, they've, they've lost to bad teams, and these games haven't really been close. The Lions game never felt close. The Jaguars game, like that, I don't remember the exact score, but it certainly never felt close. Like, they've lost pretty badly to some bad teams. They've lost badly to some bad teams. And, like I said... That's what I've given 
other teams crap for in the past. That's why I've said separates the Patriots. Now you have the coaching. You know, you guys are ready to go against the good teams. You are. And that, that's something I have in Cusco, but like they've played down. And even just the ones they haven't lost. Like, why was the Texans a seven point game? You know, the Dolphins, you blew them out of the water. The Colts, that wasn't, eh. The Colts were kind of close for a while, but that, you know, that game, I gave them much rap for that. They were able to keep that game. You know, then, you know, the Chiefs, that was a great, and you beat a really good team. You beat, you know, probably the, another one of the top teams in the NFC. You beat that game because you played up to your competition. But then what? You almost lose to the Bears? You know, and I know the Bears are leading their division right now, but I mean, come on, Mitch Trubisky's terrible. Mitch Trubisky looked terrible in that game. I'm going to make it forming my opinion that Mitch Trubisky is terrible from that game where he looked terrible. 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 Why can't I say the word terrible? Terrible. Terrible. Looked terrible in that game. But. Like, and, you, and they still, like, they hung around. They were in it until the last. Like, they had the Hail Mary chance to tie it up. You know, the Bills, that was a really close game for a game that ended 25-6. to six, Like, the Patriots didn't really pull pull away in that game to the last chunk of the last quarter. Like, remember, that was a six-point game going into halftime. That was a nine-point game going into the fourth quarter against that crappy Bills team that couldn't do anything at all, and you let them hang around for so long. But... You know, you're going to sit here and, yeah, like the Patriots, that's been the biggest thing. Like, yeah, they're 7-3, and three, but it's it's a different 7-3 and three than they've had in the past, which I know is, I don't know, that feels stupid to say to some people who aren't smart, but to me it's just not a stupid thing to say, so I'm saying it. Because I don't say stupid things purposely. And if I say stupid things, I admit it to it later. But... You know, they need to they need to step that up. Like I, I don't know what it is. Like if Belichick's just as enthused as he's been. I don't know. Like the play calling hasn't been great all year, but I just I don't know. Like this team just doesn't feel as energized. And maybe, you know, maybe a part of that's just they miss Gronk. But I don't blame it all on them missing Gronk. Because I think they've looked fine at points without Gronk. So I don't think it's just Gronk. Like is it is Brady not as into it? Because I've talked a lot this year about how I kind of feel like, you know, it's been not a gigantic decline, but there's been a decline from Brady this season. There has been, and it's been noticeable. It hasn't been gigantic. He has not fallen off a cliff. He's not bad, but there, you know, he go again. This game, he went through what a five, six incompletion stretch. You know, he went through a. F- You know, yeah, what was it? He went through a five, six pass incompletion percentage. And the incompletion stretch. So, you know, that those didn't happen every week, you know, last year, two years ago. The offense felt has felt out of whack, but I think that starts with him. So yeah. 
Like, just wh- what is it? Like, the de- also the defense played the crap again. But the offense played the crap again. Like, just the whole team, just there was no energy to it. Like, I felt like I was watching that stupid Jaguars game again. Well, it just felt like they couldn't do anything besides throw the ball to Edelman. And then, you know what? When things weren't working, they tried going to some more trick plays. They tried throwing it to Brady. You know, they tried having Edelman do some fancy little things. They tried going to a few trick plays. And when those didn't work, they couldn't do anything on offense. Which again, I'm not saying they're just based on trick plays, but you wonder why I criticized the trick plays last week. Like, there it is in front of you. You know, when it went, when they had to do real things. You know, when those didn't work, they they seem kind of flaky because it just feels like the offense isn't in rhythm. And now they have, what, six games left to do it? You know, they're currently, to get things back in rhythm, to get into the first seed, you know, that's that's going to be tough. They'll probably have to be on the road in the playoffs. You know, if they even want to have... They're only one game into being the second seed in the playoffs right now. You know, like that game against the Steelers, that's coming up. That's going to be in Pittsburgh. The Steelers have been taking care of business a lot of the time this year. You know, they had a really bad start to the year. They, you know, almost tied the Browns, lost to the Chiefs, bad game against the Bucks, lost to the Ravens. But ever since then, like, they've kind of been on a tear. Haven't really been many close games there with the Steelers. Like, they just eviscerated the Packers. Who are the Packers? The Panthers, who I thought one of the top five teams in the league. Like, a couple weeks ago, I sat here, I'm like, ah, I think the Packers, the Panthers are in that, you know, that top, top cluster of top five, six teams. Was I wrong about that? Feels like I was, but the Steelers took care of business. So, you know, I don't think the Patriots are good. And if you know, if you got to play an AFC championship game in Arrowhead, yikes. And you know, like the Chiefs have, you know, a game against the Rams left. That's going to be tough. A game against the Chargers left. We'll see if they're for real then. But still, like, yeah. Oh, and by the way, if the Chargers were in a different divi- division, they have a better record than you. They're 7-2. You're 7-3. But they have the same record as you right now. If the Chargers played just in a different division, like they'd be the number two seed. They'd be tied with you for the number two seed. I don't know how the tiebreaker would work out, but effectively, they'd be tied for the number two seed. So the Patriots have some work to do if they want to have home field or else, you know, the AFC championship game suddenly goes through Arrowhead. And yes, the Chiefs got embarrassed there last year by the Titans. But this is a different Chiefs team than we're used to seeing as I'm just drumming a little bit. So excuse that. It's a little bit of a different Chiefs team, so I don't know. The Patriots, they, they have a lot to do. And you're playing the Jets next week. Like they should just come in and beat up on the Jets. You know, on the road. They should beat up on the Jets. I, Sam Darnold looked like trash all season. I'm willing to admit it. He'll be able to just be, you know, he looked great the first game. I kind of bought in, but he's been more what I thought he would be. Which I wasn't a big Sam Darnold guy coming out. I wasn't. You know, now it's like, now I guess it's my time to talk about that. I wasn't a big Sam Darnold guy when he was coming out of college. It doesn't look great so far. But, you know, I don't know. They got to get it together. Because, like I said, you know, you do you want the Patriots playing on wild card weekend against the Titans, against the Chargers, against one of these decent teams? Or, I don't know, like they have two critical games now. You have the Steelers game and you have the Vikings game. And then you have to hope you can clean up in the AFC East, which, once again, they've been playing down to their competition this year. So it's not like I can just say, oh, but they're just going to clean up against the bad teams because they haven't this year. They've In the end, they've won more of those games than they've lost, but they haven't cleaned up against those teams. You know, they played close games against bad teams. So, and still have a game in Miami where they always suck. So, just, you know, things going to be tough. So, really, those, those are my Patriots last week. I don't have too much to say about that game. Like I said, it was bad. I didn't like watching it. I don't want to sit here and, you know, overanalyze it because that's been done already. But before we close the show, 
there is one thing I'd be, um, well, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up. One thing that, you know, that my, my real fans know I need to at least bring up a little bit. And that's, well, something very sad happened this week. Something I clung to for a very long time. That, of course, being that, well, the prodigal son himself, the man destined to become one of the great ones, the man slated to enter Mount Rushmore, among the Montanas, among the Bradys, and the other ones who are less good, but still good. Nathan Peterman, of course. You know, really, really my son. Somebody I adopted emotionally in a lot of ways. Nathan Peterman has been released by the Buffalo Bills and really brings the end to an era. A bright flame extinguished too soon for Matt Barkley. So Nathan Peterman's out there. If there's a team that wants a chance at greatness, well, think about it. Think about bringing in the Peterman. So that's sad. I'm sad to see that. If the Patriots sign him, I will 110% buy a Nathan Peterman jersey. You know, like I would have 110% bought an Andrew Bogut jersey when that looked like it was going to happen. But nevertheless, that's all the time we have here today. Well, it's not all the time, but I'm done. That's all I have to say. You've been listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. No Mike Kane Memorial live stream this week. There'll be one next week, I promise. I'm going to get everything together. And also, we'll be back next week in our normal time, 4 to 6 p.m., Hopefully up to 6 p.m. Right here. Hopefully I have some guests. Hope I'm working on getting some guests. Hopefully I have some exciting people on the show next week. And as I always tell you, have a lovely week. Come back. Listen next week. And I'll see you then.